Wait a minute. This is the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestidenti, and each week we'll be going on a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the best sales professional you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more pipeline and win more deals. For many sales professionals, prospecting is one of the hardest parts of the role. A study from HubSpot actually revealed that over 50% of salespeople actually don't like. They find prospecting one of the toughest parts of the job. Yet we know that in order to be successful when it comes to sales, you've got to be prospecting. You have to be creating more quality opportunities for yourself. Now, prospecting, you can do it a, a range of ways. You can use referrals to prospect. You can do cold calling. You can do, you know, even on social, reaching out to people. But prospecting fundamentally is a key part of the role and you have to be proactively reaching out to people that you're trying to engage with. You've got to be reaching out to your ideal customer profiles, your buyer personas, and you've got to be proactively doing it. Yes, it's awesome when inbound come in, when people reach out back to you and say, hey, you put this post up or I saw this or, you know, we spoke a couple of years back and I'm, I'm ready to talk. That's fantastic. Fantastic, but that's not going to keep your pipeline full. In fact, we know that over 70% of salespeople last year failed to hit their target because sellers just don't have enough opportunities in their pipeline. And yes, this month at the sale, on the sales podcast, it's all about prospecting. Um, we've got a couple of incredible guests this month. We've got some tactics we're going to talk about. But this week, I'm really excited to share the topic, which is prospecting with love. And you're probably going, what, Luigi? I'm looking for a tactic. I'm looking for a tactic that's going to give me more opportunities. It's going, to, it's going to turn people to read my emails and compel them so that they inquire back, so they respond back to me. Because that's what, that's what I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with open rate. I'm struggling with people responding to my emails. I won't pick up my phone calls. And when they do, my cold call open line doesn't work, etc. Just hold on a second. I just want to put pause on the tactical element when it comes to prospecting. Because there's a lot of incredible tactics out there. And we're going to talk through some of those tactics this month. But we need to talk about why we have to prospect with love. And this week's guest, Jason Mark Campbell, who is the author of, of Selling with Love, is going to talk about why you need to love your prospects and your customers when prospecting. And this is something that I think is such an important topic because when we think about it, prospecting is not about selling anything, right? We're not selling when it comes to when we're prospecting. We're trying to create a level of awareness. We're trying to engage with our target market and pique their interest to want to know more. We're creating awareness with identifying our ideal customer profiles, our buyer personas, and coming up with a message that we feel will resonate with them based on a problem they might be experiencing and an outcome they're looking to achieve. The most important part of the process is caring. It's really caring about the improved results your prospects are trying to achieve. And if you don't care about them, if you don't care enough to do research on them, if you don't care enough to do research on the industry, why should they care about engaging with you? And this is what I love about this week's episode, because we need to flip this when it comes to prospecting, right? We've got to flip it and say, you know what? If I know the prospect I'm reaching out to, I've done a bit of research, a bit of pragmatic research. I've seen that, you know what? The business, the industry, whatever it might be, they're suffering from a particular problem that could be preventing them from achieving an outcome. And I've got some insight. I've got some ideas. I think there's a way for them to improve on that and achieve and improve. Then they do want to know 
what I've got to say. I'm compelled to reach out to them. It's a mindset shift, right? But I've got to care about them. I've got to truly care about the audience that I'm seeking to serve. And that's what selling's about. We're serving people. We're helping people achieve a better outcome. This podcast is brought to you by the Create Pipeline program from Sales IQ Global. This program will equip you with the skills, tools, and confidence to run an outbound strategy so you can generate more qualified opportunities and close more deals. Hear what Alice from DocuSign has been able to achieve since joining the program and our incredible community. So my name's Ellis and um, I work at DocuSign as an EBR. And the, the reason I started Sales IQ was because I really needed that, that guidance and that training to make sure that the outreach that I was doing was hitting the nail on the head. So I was lucky enough to, to start the program um, early on in, in this role. And um, since then I've been pretty successful and last quarter I finished on 185%. So have, um, have seen some huge results by adopting the principles. Our next cohort is starting soon. So to learn more, go to www.salesiqglobal.com. Or if you have a team of sellers, talk to us about our in-house offering. Control your pipeline, control your destiny with Sales IQ. And that's why this week's episode is going to stimulate some ideas and thoughts about what does that actually mean? What does selling with love actually mean? And as we embark on this journey, things are going to change. Tactics are going to change. doesn't matter like, yes, now you've got sales engagement platforms. They're going through the roof. You've got all these tools that help you, you know, from a tactical perspective, look at trigger, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing that's going to be constant for us, one thing that's going to allow you to be the best sales professional you can be is that level of care. Because remember, as the great man Brian Tracy says, sales is a transference of enthusiasm. And that energy comes from really caring about the audience that you're seeking to serve. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, Luigi, good to be here. Yeah, man, thank you very much. And thanks for participating in the month of prospecting, because for this month, it's all about prospecting, the month of February 2022. And we're really excited because I think uh, in a world where automation is kind of gone mad and our prospects are getting inundated with sequences, but your message of selling with love is so important more now than ever before. So before we get into this episode and really talk about how we can prospect with love, tell us a bit about yourself and how you started in the world of sales. Yeah. So, you know, I found myself working in a personal education company. I think that's where I spent the majority of my time in sales. And uh, I was bringing up these ideas like meditation, spirituality, to the consumer. So a lot of what I would do would be event sales, looking at like the $5,000 to $10,000 ticket for people that want to come to a festival and then they'd come for yeah. personal growth or they'd come for entrepreneurship. So I helped and, and design a ton of the automation that you speak of. And I love this quote that says, everything's good until marketers come in and kind of ruin everything or rather <laughs> salespeople might come in and yeah. ruin everything. But yeah, it's, it's true. The world's getting filled with all these automation tools, yet there's ways to use it in a good way and in a bad mm. way. And I feel like these tools are just accelerators. So guess what? If you're doing it like, you know, spaghetti on the wall with no consideration, then mm. you're, when you give you a tool, you're going to ruin it for a lot of people. And even yourself, you might not get the success you were looking. Before I even got into that, I found myself doing real estate investments. Uh, I was raising funds for, you know, a multi-family residential properties in America. As a Canadian, we were raising can funds in Canada after the 2008 downturn. And, you know, America was a great place to go pick up property. So we did that. I had my own company where we were flipping houses as well. So 
That was a that was a past generation, Jason. But uh, you know, I've always had this passion and love for sale. I mean, I have this fun story that I love to share when I was in my you know my teen years, and you know, at school they asked you to do some charity work, and they had you selling chocolate. And my origin story is always the fact that I'm going door to door, you know, selling these chocolate covered almonds, which are called the world's finest, which I think was probably you know hyped up marketing, but you know, nobody was paying attention. People were excited. People were yep. buying. They were giving me a what we call in Canada a toonie, which is a two dollar coin. People were excited. People loved it. I'd knock at their door. Do you guys want some chocolate? They'd be like, yeah, sure. And I'd be like, wow, it sells fun. You know, people are excited. I like it. And I think it was by the sixth door when I knocked the, the lady's like, well, let me, let me ask my daughter. And the daughter came downstairs and she was this beautiful girl my age. I didn't know live next door. She was going to a different school and ended up being my first partner. So oh, you know, wow. selling with love there kind of started there. And uh, you know, you, when you have that kind of powerful impression, when you start selling, you can't Dang. not fall in love with it going forward. Well, man, that's out. We've got to ring our sales bell. I mean, that is a great story. You sold, you, you really did um, sell for love or you, you sold and you made, you, you know, you fell in love, which is an amazing story. But man, thanks for sharing that. And tell us a little bit, because I think before we go kind of talk a bit about your methodology around selling with love and, and why it's so important in today's market, what did you learn after the global financial crisis, especially in America? Because out of all the the markets, they were the biggest hit, right? What did you learn about selling in that market in that time? So when that happened, I was in my early 20s and yeah. I was at the beginning of my sales career. And as much as I'd love to tell you how I've, you know, I've learned how beautiful and amazing sales yeah. were uh, and how it made the world a better place and every sale I've made was covered in like butterflies and rainbows. Matter of fact is I actually got that, you know, that phase of my life was to understand how powerful sales is. And I started learning the process of selling without necessarily assuming the full responsibility of every sale I'd make. So, you know, army with a couple scripts, being part of a culture that was hyping me up, I was able to move some pretty expensive programs for people to be real estate invest, you know, students in the program without necessarily really taking responsibility, saying like, hey, who I sold to, do I feel like they're going to have success? Do I have a responsibility for the success they'll have? But I just realized like, whoa, I could move a lot of money. I could move a lot of energy. Yeah. Now, you know, in hindsight, to be honest, I, there was this expression where it's like we were, ignorance is bliss or it's just like we didn't know any better. But, you know, it ended up being the best opportunity that ever happened. Like, like looking from the outside as a Canadian, we started to participate in the market where we're picking up properties for like $30,000 condos. Wow. They used to sell for two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000. And I didn't realize how big the opportunity was at the time because I hadn't experienced it before. So, yeah. hey, what did I learn? Sales is powerful. Didn't know what I was doing. Yet there was a power in not knowing what I was doing. It was kind of like a ignorance where you're just so confident, young, and you didn't know any better. You're following the scripts. People are giving you money. They're excited. So I was like, okay, something's powerful here. And, you know, from there over the time, you know, I started realizing like, hey, I could have taken more responsibility there's some danger that happens when you're, you know, really confident and you don't know any better and you learn sales tactics, you can be very effective without realizing the impact of what you do. And I think that came with practice, a couple of bruises, a couple of feedbacks, and yeah. then realizing like, Hey, I got to be careful with this power. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Right. Because I think selling, there's a, there's a, there's a level of psychology that's sitting behind selling, right? We know it. And we know that there's a number of human needs and, when you can tailor a conversation or you can tailor a message that's triggering a need, a human emotion, there's often action that occurs on the back of that, right? And I think over the years, there's been many 
gurus or there's been many organisations that have used that that knowledge to be able to persuade people and convince people to move to a point of decision when it probably wasn't the best decision for them. And, you know, I think we've come a long way. I still think there's a, there's a huge gap from a trust perspective. I think a lot of the data continues to say, hey, there's a gap between the way buyers trust sellers, right? And this is where I think even though technology is really making it easier for, for, for sellers to connect with buyers or potential buyers, it's also feeding that distrust. Because when I'm getting an email from somebody, I know it's one to 100, the messaging is poor, it's not really personalised to me, it's not relevant, there's no point of view and no reason why I should care about responding to this. I'm kind of just thinking to myself, you know what, this is just another seller trying to sell me something that I don't need. So tell us a bit about, you know, where did, where did the inspiration come from for you to write a book called Selling with Love? Yeah, well, through that experience, you know, I was one of the students, you know, that's how I started. <laughs> I ended yeah. up buying this real estate investment like coaching package was like $20,000. Wow. And, you know, when I went through it, we started putting offers on a bunch of condos. And, uh, you know, very shortly after they brought in somebody who said it was going to fund all the deals we we're going to buy. And I'm here with my two best friends, right? We're just buying everything. We're excited. Someone's going to fund the deals. We feel unstoppable. We're going to be millionaires, right? This is where they're pumping you up. They, they put us in a recording room, made us record some testimonials. We're like, this program's incredible. We're having a good time. And then right after the testimonials were recorded, the guy with the money disappeared. Everything we were taught was cut in corners and it was not protecting anybody who was buying the properties from us. And so I had to kind of go back to the drawing board. I had to relearn everything. And I, I'm going to tell you, Luigi, this was not a fun time in my life. Like this was, you know, I actually found myself needing to take a bit of medication, see a psychologist, just because my oh, whole well. reality, like I got the rug pulled from under me. Mind you, the result of it, learned everything I had to do, made everything right upon the deals that I had. And I became very knowledgeable in the practice. But I still realized that no one needs to go through that. You don't need to have that kind of trauma to get some success. Mm. So for me, the biggest thing is I want to see a world where, you know, I'll, I'll use the, the formal word, douchebag marketing and salespeople <laughs> don't have a place to exist because ethical companies know the successful ways to actually have empathy yeah. and communicate effectively by using selling with love, which is not only one that works really well and is working more well as we're seeing that there's a gap between the buyers and the sellers and the level of trust. But mm. when you start using selling with love methodology, then you're actually able to rebuild that trust and the ethical businesses win ultimately. And this is what I want to see more in the world. Okay. So essentially, and I really appreciate you sharing, man, because I think that's, you know, for a lot of us, moments of adversity allow us to really grow and become who we are today, right? We continue to evolve and, and those are the moments that we look back on as milestone moments, right? So, you've, you, you know, it, it's helped you really understand the mindset of a sales professional, you're really thinking about, hey, the ethical component, the trust, helping, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And I've heard you on your podcast and we'll make sure we put your podcast link in our show notes for our listeners because, you know, I've listened, I, I binge listened this week for, for my listeners. So it's good content in there. But tell us when it comes to prospecting, right? Because prospecting can be, for a lot of sellers, it's probably the hardest task, right? Creating or self-generating pipeline is the most important task, in my opinion, for any salesperson, because it doesn't matter what market conditions, if you're able to go out there and generate new opportunities and fill your pipeline with self-generated opportunities, 
you are truly a valuable sales professional, right? How do you apply that concept of selling with love to prospecting with love in today's market? Yeah. Well, when it comes to prospecting, as you said, it's one of those least comfortable things to do, right? <laughs> it's yeah. it's going to be it's going to be the one that you're going to make the most amount of activities that don't guarantee results. Like yeah. you're going to do it and then that person may or may not reply. So any of the research that you do, any of the preparation you've done, you know, it all goes to waste. If you don't even get an engagement, you don't get a reply, you can't get your foot in the door. And one thing I'll make a big distinction here is when it comes to prospecting I, for your listeners, like if you're in the B to C world, it's very different than the B to B world. Absolutely. And, you know, and there's a part of me that thinks, especially in the B to C world, like you can use those automation tools. You should look into being mm. more effective because with the attention span that is today, you can be expected to do a full research. Like if I'm trying to sell to Luigi an individual, a price point that's like less than a thousand dollars, I'm not going to go and study everything about you. I'm going to try to find as many Luigi's that could be similar that I can reach out to. It's something that could be at least somewhat relevant. I've noticed that for the majority of the people I work with that are trying to do prospecting, the fact that they're reaching out and they're, it's, you know, for the lack of a better word, they're a nobody. Like there's no substance behind their reach out. And if you start investigating what's, who's the person reaching out to you, there hasn't been any kind of work, sharing, knowledge, or education that has been created so that if you're receiving a message from this person, you can go and check them out, right? Mm. And I think that's the biggest thing that happens in prospecting today is that People are so empowered to be able to check you out. So if somebody reaches out, they're asking themselves question, who the hell are you? And yeah. why are you reaching out to me? And so if I'm talking about prospecting, yeah, of course, you need to continuously fill that pipeline. But can you make it in a way that it starts filling itself as well? And so I'm a big proponent of actually seeing a place where you can actually choose a medium and at least have a consistency of content that is being shared. Yep. And it doesn't need to be excessive. It could be once a week. But at least that if somebody, you know, over a course of, you know, 10 weeks, you already got 10 pieces that are being put out. But at least if someone's doing some research on the fact that you reached out, they can at mm -hmm. least see like, okay, this person is somebody doing something in this field and they can start answering their own questions because we're all a Google search away from going doing our own research, right? Yeah. So even before the prospecting starts, like make sure everything that, if you Google your own name, Google the company you're going for, these are going to be the things that your people are going to do. So start with at least cleaning up everything that needs to be there so that when people receive a message from you, when you're reaching out, they can quickly figure out really quickly who you are and why you're reaching out. Yeah, this is good, right? I actually, I think this is great. This is great advice because I think for so many, we break it up or for so many sales, you know, pros, they're like, I got a prospect, but, but you're spot on. It's fundamentally prospecting just because you're reaching out. It doesn't mean they're going to immediately respond. They might do their own due diligence. And if you're not creating a presence for yourself, if you're not putting any sort of content or showing them why they should care about engaging with you, then you're not increasing the chances of success with your prospecting efforts. And, you know, the things that I've written down just, just now, like it's reinforced it, the research piece, the care, the brand, the messaging, you know, really giving that consideration before I even reach out, which I think is fantastic. You know, it, it, we're, we're in the same boat here where we have a medium, you, you know, you have your mm. podcast, I have my podcast and, you know, is the podcast the best use of my effort to make sales? Well, no, actually, if I get on a sales conversation and close a deal, yeah. that's more effective on a, you know, hour to hour basis. 
But the fact that I have, you know, over 200 episodes every week, there's two episodes that come out. There's a consistency in your case. You mm-hmm. have your own podcast. When people start looking at you, they're like, Hey, this person is a thought leader within their yeah. own expert. And we all need to have some sort of personal brand. Right. And Absolutely. so if you're an employee within a company, there's some things you can leverage from the company you represent. But again, what are going to be the first questions people are going to ask? They're going to Google the company. And what do you see when you do your own research about it? So ensuring there's some congruence and that things line up, then you can feel more confident when you're going to be reaching out. Yeah, it's a, it's a great discussion, Jason. I think it's such a, it's a, it's an important discussion, right? Because again, as we as we now approaching the back end of the pandemic, even though um, we're now experiencing a new set of challenges, right? We're experiencing supply chain issues. We're experiencing labor shortages. There's a whole range of challenges that you know sales professionals are engaging with when they're going out to the market, right? I think, you know, what you're talking about is, is is fundamentally crucial is buyers have a certain expectation of sellers. Like there is a certain expectation. And if we don't deliver to that minimum expectation, our ability to get any form of audience with them is going to be very, very limited, right? And, you know, this is where, again, I'm thinking that wholesaling we love I think the fact of the matter is, and what I love about your concept is, it's actually thinking about this beyond my transaction and moving past that to think about, I do care about the people that I'm engaging with and I have an opportunity to have a positive impact on them. And I think if, if, if sellers can actually put that in place in their messaging, that's gonna come across with empathy and sellers are gonna go, you know what, this is actually already different to the 10 or 20 other emails that I've just had in my inbox, right? It's fascinating because, you know, within the concepts of my book, I speak about five loves in selling. And I'll start with the first two because it's very relevant to what you're saying here, which is the first love you should have in selling is loving the impact of your transaction. Like love the impact of the sale you make. And by just spending some time, I'm thinking about this, like take a moment and think when I make this sale to the buyer, what will change in their life? Mm. Journal it out. And then have crazy thought experiment where it's like, okay, if I consistently sell to buyers that get this kind of transformation, what's the impact that's going to happen in the world? Yeah. And then you start looking at the, like the, the, the ripple effect of every one of your sales. I'll give you a terrible example of how this would look like in a negative scenario. I'm going to pick on Philip Morris. Like I could be a PR agency and I have so many friends who worked for, you know, agencies and had to represent, you know, tobacco companies. Yeah. And they all feel like their soul is being sucked out. They're all having a disconnection between their values and, you know, the work that they're doing because they're realizing that the more effective I am at my work, the more I'm getting people smoking. And if this is not like, Hey, all the power to you, if you think smoking is the best sexiest thing that you can do, well then, you know, all the power to you, but that's not the majority of the sentiment. We're quite aware of the health effects of that. So imagine the more you're effective at your job, the more you're actually making a negative impact Mm. on the world. And I'm trying to shift the energy of where people are actually doing their work so that it actually has the opposite effect. So in my case, if I sell one company, which I've chosen as an ethical company that I want to do business with, and I'm teaching them the ethical ways of selling, well, I'm actually not only helping them increase their sales, but I'm giving an example to the world of what happens when you embrace sales and how good companies can use these techniques and succeed. And now I'm actually lifting up every other ethical company to realize, hey, we can stand out. We don't need to use manipulative tactics. We can do it in a way that aligns with our values and they start succeeding more. And so this is what I want to see in the world. 
And so spending that time to be clear on the impact, the beauty is that you're more motivated to prospect because you're like, wow, every single person I get to reach out to might potentially be impacted with what I know to be true for me. Yeah. And secondly, when you reach out to them, you're going to have your messaging just be that more crisp. Just yeah. being like, Luigi, I notice your company's doing great thing. And this is what I'm trying to do. Inspire ethical businesses. I'd love to connect because I have a platform where I'd love to promote you. Like if I just said that already, you're just like, who's this mm. guy? Right. And so yeah, if you can do that, it helps so much. Yeah. I think again, I think you've touched upon something really important, right? Because if you know about the impact, if you know that, Hey, this is the type of impact that you can have. And this is the type of impact pack that we can have on you. And I believe that you have a problem that what we do can help you solve and move, help your business move towards that point of success, help your business's customers, right? And they can have a certain positive outcomes. Then it's actually, I'm compelled to pick up the phone or reach out to you. It's a mindset 100%. shift, right? 100%. And this is it because now prospecting doesn't become a drain. It becomes an exciting mm. opportunity. And if you can step into that mindset, then you can go prospecting all day long. Like it's interesting for me, although this wasn't an exchange of money, but it was getting myself featured on a ton of podcasts. And so yeah. I actually went and did a big blitz of prospecting a couple of days ago, which actually is how we got connected is yeah. I found a target market, you know, and I was like, wow, there's these amazing people who are the top influential salespeople on a list that I saw where you were featured and all of the LinkedIn's were made available for the people that were on that list. So I was like, this is great. I teach yeah. how to reach out on LinkedIn and connect. So I went out, I sent a connection request, but again, if I would have just been like, Hey, uh, Luigi, I wanted to connect. I wanted to pick your brain. Like you've been like, Hey, I'm getting tons of requests. I don't know who you are, what you're doing, but I've put in the work and I've had yeah. the results. I've had my asset that I built, which was my podcast, which again is why I'm saying, if you can have at least some cadence of thing that you build that generates value, you'll have a valid reason for reaching out. And people will be like, Whoa, okay. There's something with this yeah. person, but every single person that I reached out to was so fun for me. Cause I got to discover a ton of people. I got to reach out. It led to some interesting opportunities and here we are. But I think again, you know, what you're touching upon is that we go, well, there's no tactical, like when you look at it, you're thinking, well, there's not a real tactical element behind this. You know, what is a tactic behind reaching out with impact and care? I think the tactic is, you know what, the actual message, it's gonna have, it's gonna have, it's gonna be more real. Yeah. It's gonna have that more emotion to it. And we know, we know the studies show us that people don't buy with logic. They buy with emotion first and they justify with logic. Like we know that. We know as a human race, we're an emotive. Emotions drive action, right? And this is where I think that this is what I love about selling. The best deals that I've ever put together, the biggest, were not perfect. The presentations to the directors and to the CEOs, I'm talking, you know, 10, $20 million deals, they weren't perfect. I stuffed up, right? I wasn't as eloquent as I could have been. I wasn't the MBA graduate or the MBA qualified individual presenting at the front of the room, but I knew my stuff. I was I had the sales process we executed. We guided them to a point of, 
of we had a clear understanding of the future state. We had consensus within the executive team, right? And we were real and we cared about them and we put passion, emotion and enthusiasm, right? And if I look at all the opportunities that I've been able to win through that through my journey, because I'm I'm you know got a lot of a lot to learn, that enthusiasm, that passion, that care, it actually means something to the other person. It makes them feel, hey, this person actually does want to meet with me. They're showing a level of energy and intent. And intent matters, right? So what you do is how you do it, right? And yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love this, Luigi, because in my book, I actually give a definition of sales that's gonna ruffle the ones that are very pragmatic, but you said energy enough times that I feel confident about sharing it. So here's how I define sales. Selling is an energy exchange between conscious beings. So you have goods and services, you have money. Money is nothing more than stored energy. But the key thing that most people forget is in every transaction, there's an emotion. And what is emotion such as energy in motion? And so what's the underlying emotion in the transaction that closes the deal? When you're speaking about that multi-million dollar deal that you had this enthusiasm, this joy, this passion, man, I would call that love. Like mm-hmm. you had love for the deal. You had love for the client. You really wanted to make this work and they felt it. And I would also say selling with love looks a lot like leadership. Yeah. And there's a risk that you take, right? Like you didn't have the perfect presentation, but you knew such enough that you were willing to take the risk to close this deal because the research suggested that the likelihood of this being a great deal for that client was worth taking that risk. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I love it. I love it because I think, again, energy, and it doesn't have to be, you know, I had the opportunity to view a guy that's achieved incredible results, you know, million-dollar commission checks, you know, year in, and, and his energy levels are completely different to mine. But it's different type of energy, yeah, that he does care. It's not that he's bouncing off the walls. And this is where I think we can kind of often mistake energy. You don't need to be bouncing off. That's just who I am. That's my character. I get excited. I get energetic. But it doesn't mean the guy next to me or the female next to me who's a bit more pragmatic, a bit more relaxed, a bit more composed, she'll still have an energy, but her energy will come across in a certain way. But again, I think what I'm loving about this is you know, to stand out in a world of sameness, to stand out in a world where, you know, there is a lot of competition now. Like it's not like it was sort of 10, 15, 20 years ago. There's more and more products coming to market, more and more services coming to market. And so, you know, the competition now, um, you're competing with more and more companies. The ability to really prospect and stand out from the rest and make a difference is by really putting in that care, energy and enthusiasm and really putting in that emotion in your in your in your prospecting efforts. I mean, you you talk about how you know yes, there is more competition, but equally there's more access to information for sellers, right? Like yeah. we're on LinkedIn, it's crazy. You can really connect with so many people. Yeah, I know some of the people listening here know what Hunter is. They, mm. There's so many tools you can find people's emails, you can send them something, but the ability to find someone's email is useless unless you have a compelling reason to reach out to them that will get their attention you know we'll hit spam on most emails so what so yeah you start thinking about like oh my god what's the best headline that i can write for the person to open the email and i feel that's where we put a negative amount of emotion uh, of Mm. energy or time into it's like i need to write that perfect headline yeah fine don't neglect it 
But once they click on that email, the headlines open and you've drafted an email, but what really is the product that you're selling? Is it worth the attention that you're trying to skew into getting? Yeah. And that's where I feel like you were putting the cart in front of the horse, right? It's like, mm. hey, if you're coming with this impact that we talked about, which I know sounds maybe fuzzy, might not be as clear, but my God, when you're reaching out and saying, you're going to come across in your copy about how you're reaching out because you genuinely care about the impact. And, you know, that's just one of the five loves. The second one is just loving the buyer. And I'll tell you one thing, the best way to show love to a buyer is to understand the buyer. Yeah. And I think that's where you differentiate between, you know, people just sending little generic messages, which you are completely irrelevant and non-personalized to actually spending a bit of time to maybe craft your message for buckets of clients that mm. would, you would actually be really relevant to them. And I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that, man. So look, I think um, there's so many takeaways from today's episode and we could probably keep talking for ages, man. And we might have a part two, right? But just for anyone, obviously your podcast, we're going we're gonna to put in the show notes, Selling with Love podcast. It's a great podcast. Many of our friends are on, have been on the podcast. So we're going to put a link uh, for where our listeners can find that. Your book's getting released. Is it next month? It's that February 15th. The book comes out. So right. um, we're going to have uh, everything available on Amazon. So very excited about that. Fantastic. So we'll also, at some point, we'll get some of those links and we'll make sure that we post it into our into our community as well, mate. So, but before we let you go, where can our listeners find you apart from your podcast? Where else are you active so they can engage with you? Well, I mean, if you want to do an exercise in prospecting, I'll tell you this. This is my favorite way to prospect is go on LinkedIn, uh, find Jason Mark Campbell, uh, Mark is with a C, and send a connection request, but don't do the mistake of leaving that notes field empty. That's I get so many connection requests from people, and if the notes field is empty, I do not accept it. But for yeah. everyone here, just let me know you heard me on this podcast and connect with me, and I'd love to have a chat, and maybe I can help you solve a problem with your prospecting. Awesome, mate. Well, mate, thank you very much for the contribution you're making to our profession. You're helping elevate. Like I said, I binged your podcast this week, man. I've, I've got a few more to go over the weekend. So I just want to say thanks for your contribution. I can't wait for your book to come out and really get into it. And thanks for coming on the Sales IQ podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Luigi. This show has been recorded remotely, produced by Sales IQ Global, audio editing and music production by Stefan Maliati, show notes by Victoria Matheson, and graphic design by Julie Marshall. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on your podcast player. And if you want to find more about the programs we offer at Sales IQ, head to www.salesiqglobal.com.